Good morning, everyone. It is the 8th of November. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Alex Byrne and Bushra Ahmed. The market focus last week was very much on central banks. In the UK, the Bank of England surprised the markets by keeping interest rates unchanged, despite the recent jump in inflation. And in the US, we had the much-anticipated November Federal Reserve meeting, with tapering of pandemic-era stimulus high on the agenda, Alex. Did the Fed meet the market's expectations? They did. They decided to begin scaling back the $120 billion a month stimulus plan. So this follows an obvious tightening by a number of central banks around the world, namely the Bank of Australia and Canada, and also the close call that you mentioned by the Bank of England last week. Main reasons for this or less, I would say, on the inflation side and more just around the robustness of the recovery. Very, very strong consumer demand and, and survey data, which we'll talk about later on, that continues to come through. They decided to reduce by around $10 billion a month in Treasury security purchases, as well as reducing the MBS purchases by $5 billion a month. They did, however, mention and continue to mention the ability to change that and alter the tapering level to suit economic impact, either increase or decrease the amount of tapering that they are doing. There was one additional point which the market took a lot of interest in, which was the important difference in language that he used. But we're at this stage now where we have to look at individual words in the statement to try and gauge what the, the Fed is thinking, and that seems to be what the market hands on to. So instead of saying transitory factors, the language changed to expected to be transitory, which is an important difference, but very, very minor, as you can appreciate. Yes, that's quite intriguing. But surprising then that financial markets did take this very much in their stride? They did. I think, as you said, changes were expected and have been for, for somewhat of a time now. Stocks continue to rise. Markets close at all-time record highs. The trading was more volatile in US government debt market and may potentially be around that slight change in language that I mentioned. It was the longer-dated, more inflation-sensitive yields that moved the most. There was some also important to note reduction in the debt issuance as well, which does help to balance that demand loss somewhat that they'll have from the reduction in tapering. Yes, quite. And on the macroeconomic front, otherwise, we had PMI data for October. Any highlights there? A lot of PMI data, US and Europe mainly that we want to look at. So on the US side, the services recovery continues to do well, but manufacturing undershot. So um, overall, the number of 58.4 versus 59.2 expectation and 60.7 last month. So a fairly significant undershoot of an already worsening number. But again, that absolute number is still very, very high. The number is slightly better if we look at the ISM manufacturing survey. So dependency on what part of the economy and, and sectors you look at. As I said, the services was much stronger, the expectations are significantly stronger than last month as well. So you can see that that consumer services economy recovery is still happening and in part the reason why a lot of that recovery and language around that continues to support the central bank's judgment. On the EU side, a slight weakening across the board, manufacturing slightly weaker than expectation and also in line with last month, but again, stable. And on the services side, slightly lower than expectation, but slightly lower than the last month's number. So you can see the recovery in services is slightly stronger on the US side than it is on, on the EU, so which seems to be waning slightly. Indeed. Now, turning to you, Bushra, and last week we saw the opening of the United Nations Climate Change Conference, or COP26. Could you run us through the major announcements, please? Morning, all. Last week was a big week, with all eyes on the conference in Glasgow, which is being attended by leaders from 193 nations all over the world. 
In the first week of this two-week conference, we saw the World Leaders Summit, Nature Day, Finance Day, Energy Day, and Youth Day. I'll try to summarize the five most significant pledges, but of course can't do it justice in such a short time, hence I would recommend definitely reading about it if you haven't already. The first pledge to come from COP26 is the promise to halt deforestation and potentially reverse land degradation by 2030. This was announced by leaders from over 100 nations that to Carter represent more than 85% of forests globally. Separately, EU and 11 standalone nations made a commitment to allocate more than $12 billion to this, calling it the Global Forest Finance Pledge. And you'll see many more names like this come up. Worth mentioning here that Arctas' parent group, AXA, has pledged 1.5 billion euros to support sustainable forest management in the lead up to COP26. The second major pledge is the agreement between over 90 countries to reduce global methane emissions by 30% by 2030. From day three, we had positive news about an initiative which has the potential to address many people's concerns about standardized disclosure, which is the IFRS announced the formation of an International Sustainability Standards Board, ISSB. The purpose is to create a global baseline for corporate sustainability disclosures that meet investor demands. On day four, there were a couple of initiatives related to coal. Especially worth mentioning now is that 190 parties, including China, Poland, other major coal users, national banks, and vulnerable nations, have signed up to new measures to end new coal domestically and internationally, while also working to phase out existing coal capacity and to support workers through this process. These pledges are convened in a new Global Coal to Clean Power Transition Statement. And lastly, most important for us as Architas is that the CFA Institute published ESG disclosure standards for investment products, which are aimed to complement regulations such as SFDR. Aside from these, of course, there have been other commitments and discussions related to clean energy, climate tech, energy efficiency, net zero disclosures and more. And this momentum is continuing into week two. Thank you for that. And it's worth saying that we will have a panel podcast next week where we're going to look at this further and also the read through to the market implications of these COP26 pledges. But will these pledges be enough to limit the rise in temperatures, in your opinion, to this target of 1.5 degrees centigrade? That's a good question, Lorna. And before I go into the science of it, I'm keen to mention something on perspectives. I realize there are mainly two types of reactions we're seeing. One that will be skeptical or even unimpressed by most pledges. And second, those who can see how these could combine into action. I'm still optimistically aligned with the latter thinking that COP may just be on track to deliver what it needed to, i.e. a focus on multiple areas with significant commitments in all, rather than one or two flashy commitments to make the big headlines. Coming to your question, there are mixed opinions. Energy Transition Commission showed that if the commitments and initiatives seen in the first week of COP26 are fully delivered by nations, this would amount to 40% of the emissions cut needed by 2030 to keep the world on track to a maximum of one and a half degrees of global heating. However, I appreciate there are other reports such as IEA estimating limiting the rise to 1.8 degrees from their previous estimate of 2.7 degrees. Either way, the conversation and aim of one and a half degrees needs to be kept alive. Very much so. But if we look short term, now the week ahead, we have the Chinese Communist Party meeting and it looks like they will clear the way for President Xi Jinping to secure an unprecedented third term in office. And what are the data releases that we should be looking out for, Alex? On the data side, we have CPI inflation numbers from China, which are set to increase strongly, so it'll be a good one to keep an eye on. Also on the US side, the market expects an inflation increase to 4.3% from last month's fall. Also, we are expecting a rebound in European industrial production towards a zero level from a, from a strongly negative number last month. Also on the timeline next week are a number of central bank governor speeches that are going on from the ECB, Fed and Bank of England. So we'll get a much stronger insight into the thinking behind recent decisions. 
And Bushra COP26 will also run throughout this week. As you say, what's on the agenda for this week? Yes, another five days coming up. Today we'll focus on practical solutions needed to adapt to climate impact and address loss and damage. Tomorrow, there are two important events on gender and science and innovation. Then the final topics to cover will be transport and cities and built environment. Some very significant discussions yet to come. Hence, All Out will continue to be on COP26. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Lorna.